Flint Hill Baptist Church exists to glorify God by gathering, growing, giving, and going in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Find out more at flinthill.net. If you will, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I started last week just a series on living like Jesus. Live like Jesus. And, uh, you know, and, 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 I, and I just want to remind us uh, this morning, uh, as we open up the Word of God, uh, that this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I touched on it last week a little bit, it's, it's right slap in the middle of chapter 12 and chapter 14. That makes sense, right? Whenever you read the Bible, stay in the context. And the church at Corinth really had gotten hung up on all these other things and gifts. And we, talk, we dealt with a little bit, we'll deal with it more on Wednesday night as well, talking about giftings of the Holy Spirit. And they got all wrapped up in all this stuff that really, uh, really messed them up personally, but also ruined the witness of Jesus Christ in Corinth, at least for a season and Paul, through the leadership of the Holy Spirit here in 1 Corinthians 13, is calling them back to what really what we're to be about. And he talks about it at the end of chapter 12. He says, and I'm going to show you the most excellent way. In other words, what, what is this all about? Why, why are we saved? Why is it uh, as a child of God that I've been gifted by the Holy Spirit? And it really is to demonstrate, to present Christ to, to one another and to the world. And, and so he calls them back to that, and, I, and I'm not going to preach last Sunday, you can go and listen to some of that, but it's talking about agape love, and this, this, uh, this few verses we're about to just get into here in just a moment really is a, a portrait, I'm calling it a prism of love, uh, and, 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 and why is this important? Why is it important for us as a people of God, children of God, those that have been born again, to understand, to see, to illustrate, to understand visually what does love look like? And I'm not talking about any kind of love. I'm talking about the God, the God kind of love, the agape love. And why is this important? Because of several things, and I'm going to go to the end, then I'm going to come back to it at the end. Why is it important? Because why? We as children of God are being conformed to the likeness of His Son. Listen, you are plan A. There's never been a plan B. God intends for me and you to represent Him in the world in which we live, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. If you're at the ballpark, if you're at home, if you're at school, if you're uh, out at the grocery store, doesn't matter where you are, at a restaurant, God expects me and you to live like Jesus in the world in which we live, to represent. And so, now look, for a child of God, that can be a daunting task and that can be overwhelming. But the good news is you're not alone. God saved me and you so that He can then... Fill us full of His presence, His love, His Holy Spirit. Why? To work in us, to do a work in us, so that through us, we can present Christ uh, correctly to the world in which we live, to one another and to the world. I'm going to remind you of Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says your attitude, my attitude, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What a daunting task that is. But thanks be to God, it's not on us. It's not just, you know, listen, you're not going to get there in your own strength. You've got to rely and depend on the Holy Spirit, His Word, to work in you this attitude that is like Christ Jesus. I'm just reminding you of the Word you already know. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, Whoever claims to live in Him, Christ, must walk as Jesus did. That's a sobering reality, isn't it? In other words, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you claim to be a Christian today, there ought to be evidence in our life, our lifestyle, that we are for real a believer in Christ. The heart's cry of every Christian ought to be what Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives 
in me, in me, through me, for his glory. So when we get to this passage, it's just three verses, y'all. And in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, we're about to just, I'm about to read them in just a moment, but I want to say a couple things about this. I call it the prism of love because it's, uh, th that word prism means it describes a way of looking or thinking about something that causes us to see or understand it maybe in a different way. Maybe your frame of reference this morning when we talk about loving Jesus, we talk about loving the Lord. I mean, and, and those are beautiful words, but sometimes I think we utter them and we're not quite sure what that means. Clearly in the Word of God, it means that there's a difference in my life today in the way I relate to Him and to one another and to everywhere I go. There's a difference caused by this incredible agape love that God demonstrated to me and you. Uh, even while we're sinners, the Bible says, we were not even in love with the Lord, yet God chooses to demonstrate this agape love to us. So this prism, in just a moment, I'm going to read these verses. And it's a way that, in other words, it would be something if God just said, hey, I want you to love me with all your heart. Well, what does that mean? Now, I don't know. Y'all are probably way more educated than I am. But I'm a simple man. I'll be honest with you. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I'm a visual learner. Back in my day, I'm 53 years old. I was the, I was the little oddball back in the day. I was a class clown in school, quite honestly. Every teacher loved to have me in the classroom, but it was hard to get me under control when it was time to do work. And that was me. But I've learned a whole lot about myself. I'm a visual learner. And I'm so grateful that God visually presents to us in his word. What does it mean to love the Lord with all my heart? What does it mean? What does it mean? What kind of love does this look like? How, how do I know that I'm walking in this love like Jesus? How do we know that? I mean, I'm glad you asked that question. Beautiful. Because today is a portrait. It's an opportunity for God's love to be put on uh, display and to be presented to us as children of God. We ought to. Hear today's words, not in a, uh, uh, a way to be offended or any of that way whatsoever, but God, God, would you shine upon us your love that surpasses not this love, this agape love. And God, if there's areas in our life that need conviction, correction, blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, I mean that sincerely. There's not a one of us that got it all together. There's not a one of us in here. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. doesn't matter. I mean, we're on a journey and we're walking together in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And even in Corinth, Paul, being led by the Spirit of God, is reminding them the most excellent way. You know what the most excellent way is? Is that Jesus Christ lives in and through us. Pure and simple. So, so when we look at this, a uh, couple things I want to say, because we're going to get to this, these verses, I promise you. Um, all of these words we're about to, about to be spoken here in just a moment. They're all verbs. If you go back to the original language, they're all verbs. Why? Because uh, love is not... Uh, it, 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 when, we when we talk about love and the agape love, it's about um, action. It's about lifestyle. It's not meant to be abstract or theorized. In other words, I'm not supposed to be some philosopher up here talking about love and what it means. It's meant to be applied into my life on a daily basis. In other words, uh, this kind of love simply doesn't feel patient. It practices patience. It doesn't simply have kind feelings towards others. It does kind things for one another. On and on. So, so when we look at this in just a moment, the, the focus, I really believe, I mean, just go back to the original context. I believe what Paul, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit in Corinth, was trying to do was to present 
this, this beautiful picture of what agape love is for the purpose. Why? So that God's people in Corinth, and even us still today, will begin to apply this word to our hearts and our lives now. I, and I, I can't say this enough. What, what does love got to do with it? It has everything to do with it. You take away love. I mean, God has said in the word, God, I am love. He said, I, the scripture says, God is love. Jesus said the greatest thing we can do with our lives is love the Lord with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. You take love away, you take everything away. I mean, it's all about love. It's all about his grace and his redemptive love all throughout history. It's his story. I mean, it's all history. It's his story of how he demonstrated this kind of love to all of us, humanity. And praise be to God, it's the same kind of love God wants, desires to work in and through us to one another and to a lost world. So anyway, so as we go through this, uh, this morning, and it's only going to be a few moments here, I promise, but, it's, but I want us to get it right. It would be a shame for us to hear these words and, uh, and, and not have ears to hear. God, God really wants us, as we hear these words, is why I really believe to honestly, that's a, that's a tough word, that means to be vulnerable, that means to be real, to honestly allow this word to literally come against our lives to, to see where we really are in living like Jesus today. Are y'all with me? I'm trying to set this up well. I really am, because I, I don't want us to miss this. I don't want, because I've got a list here, and I, and I wanted to call it something other than a list, but it is a list. I mean, it's a passage of Scripture. Only three verses, but there's 15 different ways of looking at this agape love contained in these three verses. And it's a list. I get it. I mean, we're going to go through the list. But here's my hope and my prayer this morning, is that as God's Word is read, as we just walk through this together, you can imagine in just these few moments that God would just pinpoint areas in our heart that we need to surrender to Christ. It, you know, when God works in us, it's not so much your effort, it's about your submission. Um, now, I don't know what you think about that word submission today, but it's a beautiful biblical word, and it, there really is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and thank you. There you go. Y'all know the words. I mean, I mean, that's biblical. That's Bible. That's Bible. So, so God, work in us and through us for your glory. So here we go. Uh, open up your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm just going to read three verses, 4 through 7, <clears throat> this morning. As I read these words, may the Lord just work in us and pinpoint things in our heart right now uh, in our relationship with Him and maybe even with one another. Here, here's what the Word of the Lord says. First, uh, verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. And always perseveres. Always perseveres. All right, so here we go. Here goes my list this morning. I know if you're taking notes, you got a lot of note taken, or you can just listen to it again and again online. Uh, and again, there's 15 different ways here in these handful of scriptures that God presents and demonstrates for us his love, agape love, in this passage of scripture. All right, so here we go. The first thing, it's obvious, love is patient. It's right out, steps out very first and foremost 
The word literally means long-suffering, long-tempered. That's the word there. Practices, in other words, love practices patience. The word is common in the New Testament when you read the Bible in the New Testament. But it's used almost exclusively about being patient with people rather than circumstances or events. Love's patience is the ability to be inconvenienced or taken advantage of by a person over and over again and yet not be upset or angry. Uh, Christopher, the early church father, said it's a word which is used of a man who is wrong and who, who has it easily in his power to avenge himself but never will. Patience never retaliates. Love is patient. The second thing, love is kind. Just as patient will take uh, uh, anything from others, kindness, here it is, will give anything to others, even to its enemies. So to being kind is the counterpart of being patient. Literally, it means, literally, this word means to be useful, serving, or gracious. It's an act of goodwill. It, it not, not only to feel generous, but it is generous. In other words, it desires other people's welfare and works towards that. Kindness does. Um, you know, when Jesus commanded his, his disciples, including us, he says, love what? Love your enemies. Don't just love those people that love you back, but love others. Why? Because it really is the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. And it can be a bridge that we walk across to present Christ to people around us. Kindness. Just kindness of any a kind word, a kind gesture, doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, in many respects, what the world needs today is people that are being kind. I mean, I mean, this blows my mind. And, um, and, if it, and, and, and if this is you and you did this, then may the Lord convict you of your heart. But anyway, um, I was over in Helena and heard this happen. And we got a little Freddy's over there. I don't know if you like going to Freddy's. I mean, you know, it's okay. I mean, you know, that's not the purpose. But anyway, I mean, these young teenagers are working. That's about all, you know, I'm working these, uh, the drive-thru line. You know what I'm talking about? You know, we're so, we're so wanting it to happen this way. And, of course, you go up to the drive-thru line, taking forever, taking forever, taking forever. Uh, is it that person's fault that it's taking forever that's taking your money? No, probably not. And I'm telling you, just be kind to people. You never know, right? My goodness, we had, we had a somebody, I don't know who it was. I mean, went up there, and the, and the young lady handed them their drink, and they threw it back at her. That's shocking, isn't it? How in the world can somebody be so unkind? Huh? Just threw it back at her and drove off because she had to wait. I know, and we're sitting there going, how, how's that possible? Kindness. God, I mean, now look, what the world needs to see. What, where's, where's the kindness of God's people today? As we demonstrate kindness in a kind word, a kind gesture, going out of our way to, to demonstrate the kindness, just, just being kind to one another. I mean, just so many ways to demonstrate that in the world in which we live. All right, number three, love is not jealous. Love and jealousy, uh, MacArthur says, are mutually exclusive. Where one is, the other cannot be. Uh, this word has also been called the enemy of honor, the sorrow of fools. Jesus referred to this in Matthew 20, 15 as an evil eye, jealousy, envy. It has two forms. One form of it says this, I want what somebody else has. I'm jealous for that. Uh, a worse kind says this, I wish they didn't have what they have. A form of jealousy. Uh, 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 Jealousy, uh, it, 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 a, a worse, even worse kind of that is this. It's not just, uh, it's more than just someone being selfish or wanting what someone else, but it's desiring evil for someone else. To be jealous on the deepest, most corrupt level, it's destructive. Uh, we see this in 1 Kings chapter 3 when, I don't know if y'all remember the story, uh, 
when a young woman had lost her baby, and then she claimed it was a, the, the, this woman had her baby, and there was an argument that came before Solomon in this, mo in this moment. And so they have one baby, two people that say they're their moms, but the real mom is saying, no, that's mine. The other one said, no, that's mine, because she was jealous and wanted the baby she didn't have. <clears throat> so what does Solomon do? I mean, this is just horrible to think, but in, in his wisdom, he says, well, we'll have to kill the baby. That's horrible, isn't it? He said, divide it in two. But the real mom came forward and said, please don't do that. Give the baby to her. Right? So anyway, love and jealousy are mutually exclusive. Uh, one of the hardest battles has been said that a Christian must fight is against jealousy. When there's always somebody a little better, potentially got a little more, whatever it may be, we face the temptation to be jealous when somebody does something better than we think we, we, we can do. Or they, or they do it better than we do and we want what they have. Honestly, it's a, it's a resistance of the flesh. This flesh wants that and, and will cry out for that in the world that we live. It's a battle. Number four is this. Love does not brag. Brag. When, a loving per, when, a, when, the, person, when the loving person is himself successful, he does not boast about it. That word means to brag uh, is used nowhere. This word in this scripture right here is used nowhere else in the New Testament. It literally means to talk with conceit. Love does not parade its accomplishments before others. Bragging is the other side of jealousy. Jealousy says this. It's wanting what somebody else has. Bragging is trying to make others jealous for what you have. Jealousy puts them down. Bragging builds you up. It's ironic. As much as, uh, as most of us dislike bragging in others, we're so often inclined to brag about ourselves. C.S. Lewis said, bragging is the utmost evil. The epitome of pride. The root of of all sins. Bragging puts ourselves first and everyone else, including the Lord, is second, right? So love does not brag. Now, next, number five, here we go. Love's not arrogant. Arrogant. And, and, and you see this arrogance even in, 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 in Corinth, what's going on in the church. I mean, Paul, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, he begins to write in a way that calls out their arrogance and reveals their uh, the way they're behaving towards one another. They acted as if they had already arrived and already achieved all these things and that, that some thought they were better than others because of this gift that they possess and somebody else. And, uh, and, he, and, he, and he says in the scripture, who regards you as superior? And what have you have done that you didn't receive? In other words, everybody gifted by God is gifted because of the grace of God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Who are you? What did you have to do with this gift? And so he's confronting them. He's confronting them in their arrogance. He, and in fact, he goes on to say, because some of them actually thought, well, Paul uh, really is beneath us. I mean, here, I mean, I know we would not say that today, but there were some in, in that church in the, in the first century that thought, no, 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 Paul's a little wimpy, washy, you know, uh, uh, when he's with us and his words seem this way. And, and some called out and said, no, 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 let's not follow Paul. Let's just do our own thing. And even in that moment, in verse uh, 10, he says, but talking about himself, he said, we're fools for Christ, but you're prudent in Christ. We're weak, but you're strong. I mean, he's making this statement, almost a little sarcastic, like, look, you say you're all this, but you're really not. And he calls them out, he says, some of y'all been, have become arrogant in the Lord, in, in, in these things that you've been blessed with. Love, true love, agape love is not arrogant. It acknowledges that all that we have is a gift from God. Number six, love does not act rude. You know, the principle here has to do with poor manners. In other words, acting rudely towards somebody else. 
Love is, is not as uh, serious a fault of bragging or arrogance, but it stems from the same lovelessness. In other words, to be rude means that I'm being insensitive towards other people. I'm not caring for them. In fact, I'm careless and overbearing and often crude in my comments, and I'm being rude towards others. Brash. Love does not act in rudeness. Number seven, love does not seek its own. Now, here again, uh, a commentator, uh, R.C.H. Linsky, says this, a well-known Bible kid. He says, cure uh, the selfishness you have uh, when we talk about seeking its own, being selfish in this sense, is the root of all this sin. He goes back, he said, goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. What did they do? They, they rejected God's way so they could have their own. Self replaced the Lord in that moment. And, and in other words, God came off the throne of their heart. They didn't want that. They wanted their own thing. They wanted to be like God. In the same sense, even as Christians today, friend, there's only one Lord, one God, and He wants to be on the throne of our hearts. And as we seek to honor Him and to love like Him, we've got to have Him loving in us and through us. Love does not seek its own. And it's not provoke. The Greek word here, provoke, means to arouse to anger. Outburst of emotions or actions. Love guards against being irritated and upset or angered by things. Said or done against it. It's not provoked. Love is not easily angered or irritated. And, and, and in this context, Paul's specifically talking about things done against us or are personally offensive. In other words, we live life in this world, even with brothers and sisters in Christ. Things may come up and we get, we get offended. And he's saying, no, 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 love's not provoked in this sense. We don't need to take offense. Love does not get angry at others, even when they say or do something that displeases us. We don't. Why? Because God, God had every right to be angry with me and you. He had every right to hold anything and everything against us. My goodness, the patience of God, the kindness of God being demonstrated towards me and you. So to be Christ-like, to have this agape love is a love that doesn't take offense, but it overlooks that offense. Number nine, love does not take an account of wrongs suffered. Now, for all my accountants here, this is an accounting term in your, in your Bible. To take into account is a bookkeeping term. It means to calculate, to reckon. Some of y'all are good at reckoning people. Y'all write it down. Keep a good budget. Kind of keep people on the line. I get it. That's what you do. And that's, what, that's the whole term there. In other words, there's a ledger, and there's, they're writing it down. But he's saying love doesn't take an account of the wrong suffered. In other words, we're not going to write it down. We're not going to keep up with it. We're not going to keep bringing it up to those around us, to the people that we relate to. Now, in business, it's necessary. Obviously, if you don't keep up with those records, you're going to struggle in business. Financial. All my financial folks here in the house, thanks, thank you for you keeping us focused on those things. Right? That's important. However, on a relationship, in personal matters, it's not only unnecessary, but can be extremely harmful to writing it all down. But what do I mean? Keeping track of those things that someone may have done against you is a sure way not only to unhappiness, but to just erode and deteriorate that relationship altogether. Now what's interesting is the same Greek word used often in the New Testament, this word does not take into account, about the pardoning act of God... For those who trust in Jesus. Thanks be to God. Are you happy today that God's not taking an account? Or let me say it this way. The ledger's been cleansed through the blood of Jesus. 
Blessed is the man who sin the Lord does not count against him. That's the word. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. We ought to be thanking him right now. That we have a new life, a blessed life, a life of forgiveness, and, and, and not just for one time, but for all times. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, God was in Christ reconciling. That's a whole, that's a beautiful bookkeeping term. We've got to reconcile things. And he's reconciling the world to himself. What is he doing? What, what do we mean by that? Not counting their trespasses against them. Man, what a glorious thing. Our sin, let me say it this way, once sin is placed under the blood of Jesus, there's no more record of it. It is wiped away, blotted out, cleansed forever, forever. Love does not take an account of wrongs suffered at the hands of others. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Love, this agape love, never takes satisfaction in sin at all, whether our own sin or the sin of others. Hey, doing wrong is bad enough, bragging about it. Uh, is even worse. To rejoice in unrighteousness is to justify it. It makes it wrong. Uh, it makes the wrong appear to be right. Isaiah five twenty says, "Woe to those who call evil good, and good evil." We substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. That is turning God's truth literally upside down. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. However, love does rejoice. Number eleven, our list. With the truth. The truth. After mentioning all these eight negatives that love does not do, now in the closing, he's saying, here's what love does. It rejoices with the truth. Specifically, God's truth. God's word. His word. His truth. Rejoices in this word. Uh, and again, what about this word? Yes, this word is inspired of God. And this word is living and active and convicts and changes and challenges our hearts. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it, and it stirs us and encourages us to be pure in heart, to be righteous in our dealings with God and with one another. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is a beautiful thing, church. Please hear me. Don't resist conviction of God. And, and listen, I, and, and if you know me well, oh, I'm not a hellfire and brown, brimstone preacher. I'm not that. But listen, hell is real. But listen, once you come to faith in Christ, living life today is a real deal. And Jesus wants us to demonstrate Christ to the world around us. There's no other plan. It's me and you. And I know some of y'all are going, ooh, I know. It's us, ordinary people. Now, look, some of y'all are scholars and masters at your domain and what you do. Bless me, that's great. God just wants people who are obedient to his word, who rejoice. In the truth of God's word, who embrace it, who lean in and say, God, I need your word to speak to my heart today. Let your word shine upon my heart, my life, my business, wherever it is. God, bring it to light. And you know what? If my life doesn't line up, then bless it. Then God, bring the conviction and change me from the inside out. Love always rejoices in God's truth and never with falsehood or false teaching. It doesn't matter. It, it is a big deal. Now, I will say this. We're talking about love. Uh, love rejoices with the truth. The truth. The truth is, please hear me. There's a lot of truths in Scripture, and I do believe the, the Bible. I believe the Word of God, and that there's only one way to heaven. Jesus. Is, Jesus said clearly, "I am the way, the truth, the life, and there's no other way unto heaven except through Him and Him alone." There's only one way to have forgiveness. Church, please hear me. I'm talking to my brothers and sisters this morning, but. But I'm talking about us. Why? Why is that important? Because when we go, uh, wherever we go, there may be someone says, well, I'm just good enough. I think that'll be okay. That's not true. 
If I really care about them, if I really love them, then I will share the truth. Now look, I don't mean beat them over the head with the Bible. I don't mean that. But I do mean with your life, live out the truth. With the kindness of God being shown through you, may it be just a sweet taste in someone's mouth. And maybe somebody will go, why do you do that? Because Christ in me, Christ in me changed me, set me free from sin. Right? Love rejoices with the truth. Number 12, love bears all things. Now these next few qualities of love, in the way it's phrased in your scripture, it's almost like a hyperbole. It's an exaggeration. In other words, love bears all things, and that's true. Paul was trying to make it clear that love uh, rejects jealousy, bragging, arrogance, selfishness, anger, resentment, all this unrighteousness. But it, uh, it, and it does not bear and believe hope and endure lies by no means and false teaching or anything else. In other words, when he says bears all things, he's talking about those things that are acceptable to God and his righteousness and everything God has already ordained in his word. And now he's talking about bears all these things. Let me get to this. The word bear literally means to cover or to support, and therefore means to protect. In other words, love bearing all things means to protecting others, even from exposure to ridicule or harm. Genuine love, here it is, this will kind of hit the rubber. Love doesn't gossip or listen to gossip. Even when sin is certain, uh, love tries to correct it uh, with the least possible harm and leads that person to the saving knowledge or to repentance uh, and the kindness of God and brings them back. Protects them, even over, covers over them. Protects them. And they're thought not just about the reconciliation, but they're thinking about that person who might have offended the Lord or done wrong, whatever it may be. But my love for them wants to bring them back. It's, it's the picture of Jesus going after that one that ran off. Leaves the 99 to go after that one. Why does he go after the one? Because love, love goes after that one. Love will go after them to protect them, to, 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 to reach out for them no matter what it costs. Me, I'm going to go get them. Why? Because God wants me and you to be intentional in that way. Number 13, love believes all things. In addition to bearing, love also believes. Uh, love is not suspicious or cynical. Um, when, we, when we think about um, um, living our life today, love, love agape love believes uh, in a way that encourages us to what? Um, seek the Lord, to honor the Lord, that God is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine, the possibility of God's grace and God's love. Even, even when somebody's done wrong, it doesn't matter, or, or, or even a person, like even someone says, well, he's uh, distant from the Lord, he's hard-hearted from the Lord, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what someone's done or their history, their past. God is able God is able to reach down from heaven and touch their heart, change their life. That's, in other words, love believes all things that God is able to do this. And, and I will submit to you, church, that I'm kind of that person. And I've been called naive before, and I get that. But I really believe, I really believe God is able to reach down and save and change and transform and deliver now, now, he doesn't heal every person, but I believe he can heal, and I call upon his name, and I believe that on behalf of those that need healing. I believe that for those that need to be saved. I believe that for those that need God to make a way in their life. God, God, help us to believe that you're able, because God's love is able, and I believe that. Love hopes all things, even when belief in a loved one's uh, uh, goodness has is, is been shattered. Love still 
hopes. As long as God's grace is operative in our life, human failure is never final. My mistakes are never final. God's grace is sufficient. God's ability, I am hopeful, I am confident in this hope that endures, that is able to make a way when there is no way, to bring someone back that has ventured off, whatever that means in, his, in our world. I am confident and hopeful. The last thing is this. Love endures all things. That word literally for my, for my military folks, this, this is actually a military term to endure. It means, in, 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 the, in the imagery here, I want you to understand, it's the army holding a vital position at all costs. In other words, agape love endures all things. Every hardship, every suffering, everything that in this world that may bring to us pain, discomfort, the enduring love of of Christ in us in, enables us to stand firm, to hold fast, to endure no matter the cost, to stand against overwhelming opposition and hang on and hang on to the hope, to the love, to the belief that God is able. Agape love never stops, never stops, never stops, never stops loving at all. Never stops. You keep on. Why? Because God never stops. As long as there's breath in the body, God is able to reach down from heaven and to save and to deliver and to change and to reconcile. And even in Corinth, even in Corinth, when things were upside down, to, to make a way in the heart of this congregation. Why? Because there's a witness at stake. There's a city in Corinth. I know it's a long time ago that needed Christ. Now, I, I share with you a lot this morning, and it's a whole lot in just a handful of minutes. But I'm going to remind us, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to go back to, come on Gavin. I'm going to go back to where I started this morning. Because I, I'm, I'm, I, my heart is this, it's a long list. I mean three verses and all these things. And we could have taken forever and I could have spent three and a half months on each one of these. But I chose not to. I really believe more than anything, God has brought out His Word this morning. It's real clear. It's real simple. If you're a child of God here today, a born-again believer, friend, if you're our guest today, I mean, I'm not even talking about being a member of Flint Hill. I'm talking about a child of God. Then, then I'm asking that God the Holy Spirit would take His Word and bring it to life in our hearts right now. That if there's any area of my life in any of these characteristics, if I'm not being patient, if I'm not being kind, if I'm being envious and boastful and proud and, or rude or self-seeking or easily angered, God, if I'm keeping a record of wrongs, if I'm delighting in evil, not rejoicing with the truth, God, if I'm not protecting or trusting or hoping or persevering, God, convict our hearts today. Please embrace the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God, let your word do in us what you want it to do. God, let it come alive. Father, I just want to praise you this morning and thank you for your word that is so amazing. I just ask, Lord Jesus, right now, God, that you would have your way. We're about to sing a song of response. God, I pray that all of us here, God, would just open up our hearts to you and God, that you would do a work in us. 
God, that you would be glorified in this moment. God, the glorious thing that we could ever do is acknowledge that we need you. That we, there are areas in our life that need to be touched by, by your Holy Spirit and by your word. And God, we need a redemption and forgiveness and change and cleansing, whatever it may be. God, have your way in this moment, at this moment, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will stand with me this morning, church.